0: Uh, Who is this fascist guy? What is this going on? What? (laughs) Hello, and welcome to the Top Shelf Hockey Cast, where we talk hockey, mostly Islanders hockey. Joining me today, just—that's right, just. Phil Farber. You can follow him on Twitter at Phil's Facts. I am Tuck On Sports, David Tuckman. No BD Golf today. Uh, So we'll keep it short and sweet. When we last talked, Phil, we were, I guess, foreshadowing. It was somewhat ironic that we were talking about the issues the Islanders would face when we had an inevitable injury. And it was funny because we spoke just moments before, basically, the Kyle Palmieri injury was announced. We didn't know it was uh, – we, we obviously had seen the hit um, in the Leafs game but did not know he would be missing time. Had no idea Simon Holmstrom would be coming up and playing in his first couple of games. So we've got a lot to dissect between that and now more injuries, piled on more injuries. Uh, it, it's not quite 2021 over again, but uh, hopefully we can survive the next week or 10 days.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll have to see the extent of these injuries. The fact that Paul Murray hasn't skated yet, not encouraging in terms of his timeline and the, you know, his ability to come back quick. Lou did say that because it was retroactive to, I think, November 21st, it's been seven days, so he could come off IR whenever he is ready, but he took a pretty nasty look to the head, and I wouldn't be surprised if he has some sort of concussion or concussion-like symptoms that have been keeping him off the ice. We didn't really get any clarity on Bailey. Bailey took line rushes in Philadelphia and was a last-minute scratch. They were going to play Ross Johnson in that game anyways. I think Simon Holmstrom was going to come out of the lineup on Tuesday night in Philly. And then they ended up last-minute scratching Bailey due to an upper body injury. And then Cal, in the opening couple minutes of that Philly game, goes down. And all of a sudden, what was a very healthy squad is now down three regular forwards.
0: And I mean, that's bound to happen. Obviously, we were talking about these issues that might crop up. And what was scary was, you know, we looked at a team that didn't have much depth and with Bailey, you know, reverting back to what we knew Josh Bailey would be, with Beauvillier not playing great, with Wallstrom being somewhat inconsistent, with Ross Johnston just being Ross Johnston, Ross Johnston. Yeah, I, I mean, this team was already thin. I mean, it was a situation where we already felt like I imagine Lane Lambert was kind of looking at the lineup every week, thinking every night going, I've got 10 forwards basically here, maybe 10 and a half. Maybe if Bo has a good night, it's 11. Um, But now you take out a a couple of injured players and suddenly, I mean, we're all wishing for Bailey. I mean, we're like, where's Bailey? We need Josh Bailey back.
1: When you have Ross Johnson in the lineup, then you're always wishing for Bailey. I mean, listen, it's going to take the defense playing much better than they've been. Uh, the goaltending is going to need to remain at that world-class elite level that both of them have been playing at. Obviously, Sorokin's been the best goal in the NHL this season, I, I think it's fair to say. And Varlamov has has been in the top 20. He's been he's been fantastic when called upon. He's gotten them critical points. Uh, was very good in the Saturday night game against Philadelphia. And then some of these players, the the Wallstroms and the Beauvilliers are going to need to step up because This is a team that relies on having three lines that could score. They don't have the elite talents like a McDavid and a Dreisaitl, a McKinnon and a Rontanen, a Crosby and a Malkin, where they could just turn it on at any moment and take over a game. Barzal's great, not an elite high-end goal scorer by any stretch of the imagination. He's only sitting on two. So they're going to need some of these guys who have had struggles and inconsistencies this this season uh, so far to be more consistent during this stretch of time where you're going to have guys like Hudson Foshing, maybe even Cole Bardrow um, factoring into the lineup over the next couple of weeks?
0: I remember watching Cole Bardrow score on the penalty shot. And I remember bringing my wife over and I was like, this is an amazing moment. And the reason it was an amazing moment was I was like, you know, this is a career AHL or getting a chance. And, you know, for, you know, for any aspiring hockey player to get that shot and score a goal in the NHL. And I think, you know, I told my wife this and I was like, this is probably going to be his only game he ever, this is probably going to be his only goal. This is probably going to be his last game he ever plays. This is amazing. And I was, I was, you know, I mean, it was almost like, uh, like Carolina Hurricanes, like emergency goalie. Feel good, you know. It was like, yeah, this is awesome. Gotta go back to the AHL and I'll finish career. Little did I know, uh, you know, a year later we'd be seeing more Cole Barrow. Uh, who is this fascist guy? What is this going on? What? Other, who's he? What are we talking about here?
1: <laughs> well, he's not a fascist. I mean, you know, with are all we sure the, of that with, with all the with all the the Kanye news and everything, we don't want to start putting labels on people just you know just like that. But Hudson Foshing, he's again, he's he's a journeyman kind of. AHL player. He has, I think, 38 NHL games to his name. He's got one goal and a couple of assists. He's a big fella. He's so is their he, number is he two...
0: fourth line then?
1: He's going to be playing on their third line with Paju and Parise.
0: See, this is basically where I, this is I mean, where I the... don't understand. I mean, okay. Tell me I'm crazy, and I know you and I briefly discussed this. I'm, I'm looking at the Edmonton Oilers night yeah. after night. And now listen, I do not want to copy the Edmonton Oilers, you know, blueprint, because it clearly doesn't work. But for they gave up f-
1: six goals tonight.
0: Whatever, yeah. I mean, and five and four last night, Chicago. Um, but my question is, what I think what Edmonton does is not sustainable. I mean, McDavid plays twenty seven minutes for Chicago. Dry settle plays twenty six. Darnell Nurse regularly plays twenty nine over an eighty two game season and then playoffs. It's just not sustainable. But I'm wondering why over this stretch, unless these injuries are longer than they are. Why don't we first of all go 11 and 7? Okay, 11 forward, 7D. And why not put Suzukius on the third line? Or I'll even go crazier than this. I was going to say Suzukius on the third line, or I'd even put Suzukius on the first line since he does shoot lefty. I get a nice, another faceoff guy up there. Suzukius has shown that he can finish. Plus, he's a great four checker um, with Barzal. The few times that Barzal has actually played with Zizekas and Cal, that line actually worked okay. I thought it was interesting. And then put Holmstrom down with Paggio and Parisi, and then I actually have three lines. And then the fourth line, well, it would only be two forwards because I'm going to go 11-7. and seven. I, I can just, you know, when I need Martin to fill in a spot here and there, um, whoever the fourth, maybe it's Bardro, maybe it's this fascist guy, I don't care, but I, I, can, I can, you know, they're only going to play six and a half, seven minutes anyway. I feel like if you put if you put this guy on the third line and then you put Ross in the fourth line, then suddenly we become a two-line team and that's no good.
1: Yeah, it's possible. I think you know, I like the thinking. I wanted them to go eleven seven the other night in Philly. I never like listen, I never like when Ross is in the lineup to begin with. I certainly don't like when they try to ram him on the third line. We saw what happened in Nashville. He sat half the game and the Islanders were chasing and they almost chased them down from from a multiple goal deficit. At one point it was two, then it was three. Um, and then ultimately they lost by one, listen, I think the, the logic behind calling up fashing was that they only have one right, right-handed shot on the wing and that's Wallstrom and Wallstrom plays 12 to 14 minutes a night. So I get the idea of, of not wanting to have seven or, you know, seven left-handed shots in the lineup on the wing. Um, I think this is the type of thing where you're going to see line blending going on in Nashville if things don't work out. I mean, the hope is, you know, this is a guy who's been scoring in the AHL this year. He has a pretty solid scoring track record down there. And obviously it doesn't always translate, but I think they're hoping that this guy could give you good, you know, 11 to 12 solid, even strength minutes, you know, and, and, and contribute ultimately um, See, I'm just concerned and, and...
0: I'm just concerned that with with fashing on the third line suddenly that becomes a checking line obviously the fourth line we're not gonna get anything from Ross and Martin that line's just a dead line. no that's not, no scoring so there. is just you know he basically is killing penalties and just babysitting his two big friends um,
1: it's which you know it's funny and it, we I just think... become
0: a very easy team to play against when it's like okay shut down Nelson and don't take penalties
1: I remember we were once recording live last year during a Ducks game and I think it was Johnston who completely dangled was it chat and Kirk on the ducks. Yeah. Setting up a Zika right score. Yeah. I mean,
0: Ross and then, yeah, he, he yeah and then all plate. of a sudden
1: he scored, you might catch lightning in a bottle just because you know, once in a while those guys could create something, but it's certainly not to be relied upon. They're going to need to fall back more on, you know, defensive structure and fundamentals. It's funny. I, I tweeted out today, a lineup when the Islanders went 15 and two back in 2019 they were missing a lot of regular forwards and even some of their depth forwards from the lineup. They, you know, Everly missed 10 of those games. They were without Leo Komarov for a, you know, an extended period of time there. I think Martin went down in that game against Ottawa, as did Kunacle. Uh Tanner Fritz was going to be the 5C. He got injured in Bridgeport and that's how Bardrow ended up getting that first call up. But if you look at a lot of those lines, there was like Cole, Sezekis Clutterbuck, with a fourth line of Johnston, Wallstrom, and um, Bardrow, they they were kind of like mix and matching spare parts at forward, and they were still getting the job done. So, do I think it's you know panic the wheels are going to fall off? Not necessarily because they still have all sixty. They still have Sorokin in net and Varlamov on the off on the odd night that that Sorokin won't be playing. And the power play is playing well also, and they've got pretty good special teams. So I do think they could grind out a couple wins here. Well, the special teams,
0: we can talk about that for a second. The power play looks great right now. The penalty kill has been pretty suspect. It's
1: been been better. It's been better. I mean, it
0: it was, listen, it was lights out the first nine games. And then it was, it's been pretty pedestrian since then
1: they haven't given up a power play goal in their last three games.
0: Last three games, okay. Well, two versus uh two versus Philly, I guess and
1: two versus Philly yeah. and then a six Columbus. a 6pk perform oh, Columbus, cl- okay. Edmonton. Columbus they did. My bad. They looked awful versus Columbus. Yeah, well, one was a 5 on 3 and then they gave up the five that, four. but but that wasn't even a penalty penalty kill issue. I, I just think Soroka needed to have that one.
0: Yeah, no, no. Listen, their penalty that, that's kill That shot then- from range the penalty kill I mean, has kind of been Jekyll and Hyde. It's either been lights out or it's it's been a little spotty. But yeah, no, the penalty. I think there were six teams, for six
1: against Edmonton. The day I was thinking, you know, yeah, yeah the Edmonton so.
0: one was amazing. Um, and obviously, the special teams has has been really good. Uh, I listen. It's certainly not panic mode. I mean, they're fifteen and nine. Uh, they bank some points. You know, they can withstand a little bit of a a downswing. But keep in mind, with losing to Philadelphia, which is never great. You know, that's a terrible team. It happens.
1: No big deal. It's terrible loss to have. I mean, that's just a waste of two points. It if, is, you know. If I'm if I'm but, thinking of the math, right, hundred pretty much guarantees a spot. I, we we discussed this. I think. Well, I think I think get, I think
0: ninety four gets you in this year.
1: Maybe more than ninety four. I'm th- I'm thinking more somewhere between ninety five and ninety seven. Okay. Um, just because it's it's not going to be as strong as last year. Last year was an anomaly. Usually, it's like 98's guaranteed. Last year was the first time in in the shootout era where there was guaranteed three point games. Um, where it's ever required 100. So if you think about it from like that kind of formula, you're looking at, okay, they need to get somewhere around 31 to 32 more wins, you know, 31, 32 more wins and and four to five overtime losses. So-
0: Well, they're never 30- losing in overtime this year.
1: They're, I know, right?
0: They're not going to lose in overtime. After last year- So think of it
1: as they just need to go 34 and 24- is my math right no, on? No, no. Yeah,
0: I mean, yeah. Listen, and and it's not. Yeah, with twenty, they played twenty four games. That sounds about right. Um, no, I think they're in good shape. But I will, I will paint a, you know, buyer beware picture right here. They've got a game versus Nashville in Nashville. Um,
1: no, that's at home. We played in Nashville already. Is it
0: okay? So they got a game at home versus Nashville. Nashville has historically always given us trouble, and but you
1: know, Nashville's on a back to back, and we're getting Lankin in. You cannot lose this game.
0: Well, I mean. You're telling me that, that Fashing, Ross, I mean, this lineup can lose to anybody.
1: They can lose to anybody, but I mean, if you're getting Nash, uh, uh, what no, no, should no, be well, a tired 100%, national team, hundred percent, they, they, need they to blew everything game. tonight to come back against the Devils and win in overtime. So you got a team that played extra time, played from behind. We're getting the backup goalie who's not particularly good on a team that has been, you know, a Jekyll and Hyde team. I think they're a talented team. I think Nashville's probably going to be a playoff team. But, I mean, the we're West, the rest yeah, of the team. The West, we're the they home team. Could.
0: Well, I'll put it right. Listen, this is a game they certainly need. If they can pull off Nashville and Chicago with this lineup, then yeah. it's fine. Because the next games after that, we got St. Louis, we've got New Jersey, we've got Carolina, we got Boston. St. Louis is a different St. Louis team than the one we saw earlier on in the playing season. Much better. They're playing much better. They're still not. Although their
1: goaltending still stinks. They're, but yeah, they're still they're a
0: flawed better. team. I mean their defense is still suspect. Their goaltending is still suspect, but they're playing yep. better. It's not a gimme game like it was last time. Then we've got New Jersey, we got Carolina, we got Boston.
1: That's um, a that, that's the stretch right there. That's the Well then you know then we speak, Well let's hope you have some troops back for that stretch. Ideally you want to win one of those games.
0: Well by the way the stretch doesn't end. So that's why it I, the Nashville the Nashville game is is kind of a must win because despite the fact that we're fifteen and nine, if we beat Nashville in Chicago and you go seventeen and nine, then you can bank some points because you got St. Louis, you got New Jersey, you got Carolina, you got Boston, then you got a game at Arizona. I, I have to imagine they'll be up for that game after losing to Arizona last time. But then right. following Arizona, we got Vegas, Colorado, the Rangers, Florida, and then Pittsburgh.
1: It's that's a, a stretch. December. This this is the hardest. I you know i looked at their schedule i think the the most difficult stretch of games they had um was that stretch in october where they did devils they followed the devils up with the florida trip
0: yeah we and we didn't realize obviously at this early on that the devils would be this good so quickly
1: well they didn't know it was the De- who they play after the devils
0: uh, I got a, it right here. Let's see. We've got. Uh,
1: no. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm, we got I'm right. It was Devils, the Devils,
0: Tampa, Florida, Rangers, Carolina, Rangers
1: Carolina. right? People were looking at that stretch and thinking to themselves like, wow, this could be seven losses in a row.
0: And they went three and three in that.
1: And they went three and three. And then they went on the road on the Midwest trip and took two out of those three Midwest games. And then well, they won five they... out of their
0: next six.
1: Yeah, that's really... when they started rolling. So I would say that this stretch is is right up there. Again, we, we're, we're getting the Devils and and Carolina again, just like we did last time. And this time you've got you've got Boston in there. You've got a road game in Vegas, a road game in Colorado. It's always different between home and the road when you're talking about a West Coast team. Uh, the Rangers who are going to be motivated to beat us since they haven't beaten us in the Garden in a while. You've got you said Florida in there. I mean they're they're not playing well, but. There's certainly a capable they're always a dangerous team
0: and Barkov could be back by then as well.
1: Pittsburgh. I mean, listen, I think what a lot of this season is going to come down to um, in terms of the very least jockeying for position is going to be, you've got four games versus Pittsburgh. Um, we only play the devils and Rangers three times this year. So once we play the Rangers, we're done with them. Once we play the this devils, so we ridiculous. Only have, I mean, you think, which is crazy. Yeah. We literally
0: don't play the Rangers in 2023 unless it's in the playoffs correct. I mean, until next season
1: or until next season, next October, November, December. But yeah, I mean, and then, you know, again, you want to be able to against the capitals to put the capitals away because, you know, at some point they're going to get reinforcements and they're going to start coming. So by the way, we follow
0: up this tough stretch. We get a game versus Columbus at home. And then we've got a, then we've got a a road trip to the Northwest, which despite the fact teams aren't necessarily that great, that's, that's tough always team. tough it's always, always tough. tough to go Seattle Vancouver. Canada yeah Seattle Vancouver Edmonton and Calgary Jan 1st to Jan 6th um, which is always that's always tough so I mean you follow up that tough stretch where you get the devils you get Colorado you get Carolina you get Boston then you got to go to the Northwest you know it, the Islanders have to figure out a way to whether they're healthy or not stay afloat and, and keep this kind of you know keep the momentum rolling and, and stay relevant because if they're yeah, I mean that's the kind of relevant it's, it's, after January sixth, then you know then Lou is looking at going okay, how do I improve this team? What am I looking at?
1: Yeah, I mean simply look at it as can we go a five twenty five clip in that twenty game stretch? Can we do a five thirty five clip? Okay, somewhere around there to to stay roughly within the playoff.
0: Okay, let's uh, let's picture. let's cover some some hot topics here. Okay, first off, uh, Simon Holmstrom your uh, your takes on what you've seen from the 21 year old
1: he plays a very boring structured game i mean I, I just wanted to like check it's a small sample size but what his expected goals against is um his expected goals against per 60 among players who have played at least as much time as him which is 44 minutes he's second in the league in that category right ahead of bergeron and Marshand. so He is known to be a strong defensive forward. They're obviously putting him in situations where he's not going to get chewed up by Connor McDavid um, in that Edmonton game. Um, and, And he's, you know, played probably against weaker matchups, but he's known for his, you know, defensively responsible game. He's not going to make any ridiculous cross ice passes. He's not going to give the puck away. And in an interview today, I think it was maybe with Stefan Rossner, one of the Islander writers, he, you know, talked about how, he wants to start opening up his offensive game because he feels that's a strong suit. So, one point, a secondary assist, which was a, uh, a pass to lead a rush out of the zone that where Barzal set up Wallstrom. Um, I'm but hoping. I, to and see... By the way,
0: it was a nice play. That's one thing I will say. Very nice play. The, the his one play positive... against the
1: boards is 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 spectacular. It's
0: very subtle. The yes. way he will occasionally use his body, usually his butt, which is what you know players are taught, and then he'll also seal off the other side and he'll curl his stick around a couple of times, and he's very, very smart along the boards, which is... Key, I mean you know it's kind of a, sneaky
1: in that way. Yeah, I mean, as, he's a big he's a he's a big he's a big fellow too. I mean he's 60, right. 210 pounds.
0: But as a coach <laughs> you always kind of you know, you, you you are constantly teaching kids, you know, these small area games. And if 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 players are very good in small areas... that's where the game is played. Um but everything you speak about, I mean this kind of, you know, low event type player who's very safe and smart and structured, wouldn't it make more sense to put him with forty four and eleven?
1: Yeah, I mean, and just normal, make that line under, a shutdown under, line. Listen, I think under normal circumstances, yes, and I think ultimately, when he rounds out his game, he's going to be a middle six NHL player, whether it be on the second line or the third line. I think that's ultimately what he's going to be. I don't think he has first line type upside. I think another challenge in playing with Barzal is it takes time to learn Barzal, and Barzal, kind listen.
0: Of, Barzal is you. If you're a goal scorer, you love playing with Barzal because you know you're going to get opportunities. But Barzal's style, I have always thought that it is very advantageous for the trailer, which is usually a defenseman because he'll, yes. he'll bring the puck in, he'll slow the game down, he creates time and space for himself, and then more often than not, because the forwards are going to the net and the defensemen have to stay with them, Barzal is so good at finding that fourth player in the zone. Whether it's Sebastian Aho, uh, whether it's no. Who, who is
1: Barzal's go-to? Who is Barzal's go-to defenseman? Who he has legitimate chemistry with?
0: I mean, at this point, it feels like Aho. I mean, Scott Mayfield. It's Scott. Oh, Mayfield. you are right. Yeah, no, it's Mayfield. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. Nailed it on the head. Yeah. I mean, they listen. Are,
1: against against Philly. Imagine um, Mayfield had a May- shot. Seriously, though, he'd score fifteen he goals was, a year. He would. He might score 15. No, he's not going to score 15. This no, but I'm he'll saying imagine. get eight or nine. But yeah, I mean, he was a crossbar away from tying the game against Philly on a nice feed from yeah. Barzal. You know, he found him, you know, with, with you know, wide open against Colorado to tie that game up. Um, he's so, we, you that, know, that's what I mean. He Tampa always Bay finds, game six. He Pittsburgh always finds game that trailing
0: three. defenseman, in, which is why that's the one thing where, yeah, you need a defenseman who can make sure they can get up in the play and give Barzal that outlet because you're going to get that shot. Uh-oh. Yeah, I
1: mean and and Scott has been so intelligent, really in all ends of the ice, but in the offensive zone specifically, just keeping plays alive and identifying opportunities when he could jump into the play, when he could jump into the rush.
0: That 30 year old defenseman I, is earning his next contract, and I, I, I am scared.
1: <laughs> listen, I think I you know, Kevin Kevin had a uh I think he he did a mailbag on this Kevin and Kirsten? he thought that some yeah, something around like Four years, two and a half million. I think that's that's low. Four years, two and a half million. He was using Jan Ruda as a comparable. That's I think. Not Ruta, I think Ruda took two point seven five. I mean, my thought process is: this is a guy who's been on Long Island forever. He's been in the Islanders organization forever. Can you get him for four years at three and a half? Would you do four years and three and a half? That's, I would do it.
0: That's more reasonable.
1: I would um, listen. He's been he's been like their most consistent defenseman this year.
0: What I'm concerned about is that he gets six.
1: No, he's not getting six.
0: Right handed a right-handed defenseman who contributes a little bit offensively, has they don't have to know him. What would Vancouver Vancouver would fall over themselves for Scott Mayfield right now? What would Toronto what do Myers? for a Scott Mayfield?
1: What do they give Tyler Myers? I just want to see out of curiosity. Tyler
0: Myers got like ridiculous, didn't he?
1: Yeah, I mean listen, Mayfield is is he's very good. I just don't know that a lot of teams. Hey, listen, if of,
0: I if if he took four point four times three point five sign me up done i'll i'll, I'll take it i, don't I think he'll
1: i think he'll do it i think he'll take the discount he's an american kid he's not going to canada
0: i'm just worried that he i'm just worried that he's going to want f- more years
1: and yeah, then Tyler we Myers took six six Ooh. yeah that's, a,
0: that's why vancouver is vancouver Ugh.
1: uh let's talk about Four something years, else i want to touch
0: on as we uh we go forward uh I, I i've had enough of this and i want your take okay so we saw, the, we saw, you know, Philly Islanders, the end of the game, the Romanoff hit, which, by the way, where, what the fuck happened to the NHL? Like, we can't even, like, you can't even hit somebody. Like, a good hard hit has to be responded by an all-out brawl on the ice and then changing lineups yeah. and have two more fights the next game. Because of, a, like, like, I just feel like I'm like... It would
1: nothing uh, hit. Really a nothing it, hit. It was a
0: nothing hit. It was literally just a legal hip check. And a yep. good hip check. It, didn't, it wasn't high. It wasn't dirty. I, I, I'm just – it seems like every time somebody is hit hard, this is the response by the opposing team. You just can't – I don't get it. But um, what I want to bring up is – so you're Lane Lambert, and you're thinking, okay, I want to get Ross in the game. But if Ross is coming in the game to have a physical presence and get in a fight, but these premeditated fights seven seconds into the game – What's the point? What does it do? What message does it, I mean, does anybody care?
1: I think it's one thing if it's a, you know, Rangers-Capitals line brawl off a game where you saw your star $11.7 million forward get ragdolled by Tom Wilson. I think that's the type of thing, all right, you're seeing those guys the next game. You better come out with a response and show them that you're not going to do that to our star forward.
0: But I don't Here, want to do. It, but I don't want to do it though. I don't want to premeditate it. Premeditated. I don't want to sit there during during warm up and talk to him over the red line and be like, "Okay, man, seven seconds in, we're fighting." Like, like, let, let it be during the game. I just don't that this premeditated. thing, what's the point?
1: Set the tone.
0: Oh, listen, I hated it having Ross in there. Really set the tone. There.
1: Wow, you could have you could have simply had the the Martin McEwen fight and been done with it. None of these fights were particularly one sided, anyways. It was you know it was too pretty. Low event type fights. They fought each other to draws. Had no real effect on the game as far as anyone could tell. Bellows, who's now on waivers, uh, takes a That's penalty about, about 45 seconds later. Islanders get a five on three. And then Bovillier loses Sanheim by curling away from the play for some reason. And then the shorthanded goal kind of sent that game spiraling. But yeah, let's talk about Kiefer Bellows.
0: Yeah, uh, so he's his and I eleven game, by his way, eleven
1: game flyer career.
0: <laughs> yes, it's uh, twelve games into the season. Eleven games as a flyer, he has zero goals, zero assists, um, for zero minus for zero points. A solid minus five. Uh, yes, he was playing on the power play. Yes, he was playing on on line number one, and still could not produce. Uh, you and I predicted. I think we power uh, play one
1: time also. By the way,
0: yeah. At first, we did we mentioned maybe he gets waived by Thanksgiving. We thought for sure by New Year's. I, I think our prediction pretty spot on. Um, the amazing thing is that he's waived before all their players are even back. I thought I thought it would at least be when all the players are when some of their forwards are back from injury. <laughs> Tortorella didn't even want to wait.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's guys like Max Willman who who are still in the lineup ahead of him. I mean, I know they got Konecny and Lawton back, but they're still without JVR. They're still without Cam Atkinson. Uh, no, I mean, and they with,
0: let's, let, they brought still that wait. Kiefer in when Konecny was there. So he was already- That's right.
1: So, yeah. So the only, the, yeah, that's right. There hasn't been any, um, players that were out before Kiefer came in who have come back. Allison and Bellows were in the lineup at the same time. And Allison is still out, which means there have been a couple of AHL call-ups like Willman, like Brown, who they have liked more than what they've seen from Kiefer Bellows in 11 games. And Tortorella spoke about it. I think, I don't know if, you know, Andrew was kind of transcribing it on Twitter. I don't know if he was asking the questions or if it was the Philly guys asking him. But, you know, Tortorella said, it looks like, you know, I don't really know the kid. Um, I don't know who he is. And, you know, referred to, I don't know what kind of player he is yet. I've been told things about him. I see he has good offensive instincts, but his his foot speed is concerning. And, you know, Tortorella is blunt, very upfront. And, and that's what we've always seen. We've seen a guy who at the World Juniors was able to, mow down teenage goalies in the AHL with a little bit of help of, of performance enhancing drugs um, was able to start finding a scoring touch and started scoring consistently. Well, that was consistently for six weeks, for six weeks. That's right. (laughs) Um, And then had limited success uh, for a brief stretch last year when the Islanders had a lot of, Covid and injuries he had a few Um, moments here and
0: there listen and there were a few moments late last year where he looked okay on the fourth line at the end but his his speed
1: and his his lack of ability to create for himself has always been a problem
0: and and at the end of the day listen i mean maybe there was a time and a place in the nhl where somebody could just shoot and there was a place for you but in, in 2022 23 if you can't skate if you can't move, there's just not a place for you. Um, it's one of the reasons why Wallstrom is, has trouble consistently, and Wallstrom is, you know, five times the player that Kiefer is, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. But it's one of the reasons Better why Wallstrom. It's one of the reasons why Wallstrom has struggled to to be consistent because his own foot speed. Um,
1: I think it's one of the reasons why Wallstrom takes so many stick and pe- stick penalties. Yeah. The fraction. I mean, he's got he's got to cut out the penalties. He
0: just can't. Well, he just can't. You know, the, the whole adage of you know move your feet, move your feet, and he's like, I'm, yeah. I'm moving my feet. They're just faster than me. This is the only, right. only way I can keep up. Right.
1: Listen, um, unless you're like an Anders Lee, who you can park yourself in front of the net and you're bigger and stronger than everyone else next to you, and you're going to get, you know, your your stick on a on a on a puck from the blue line or clean up the trash because no one's going to move you. Kiefer doesn't play that game. No, Anders um, Lee, by the
0: way, is a unicorn. I mean, he's a unicorn. 100%. He what he can do. It's not just a matter of like, you know, oh well, he's he's an Anders Lee. Like, you could argue that Anders Lee is one of the best in front of the net. That you know, I, I just, I mean, period. I mean, were there better players than him? Yes, absolutely. But in terms of just being in front of the net and owning that space, and finding the puck, and getting rebounds. I mean, this guy is going to score, I don't know, what? Uh,
1: how many, he could score 30 this year. But How many 30. career
0: goals is he going to score? And, you know, the average goal will be scored from, you know, four inches away from the net. <laughs> I mean, that's the <laughs> and looks, thing. And it looks
1: exhausting. Like, if you look on every single one of his shifts, even, like, the power play, right? But you could stay out longer and and have a two-minute shift on the power play, they say, because you're in the offensive zone. And when you're in the offensive zone, it's less taxing than playing defense. What Lee does with all that jockeying in front of the net, it just looks exhausting. I I
0: showed my wife a picture of his thighs, the the, uh, the golf picture. And my wife was just like, what are the And I'm like, listen, the guys he's playing playing golf with are athletes too. So it's not like he's playing with a bunch of accountants. (laughs) <laughs> and, and yeah and that is him okay so uh going forward i want to wrap this up but you know we're 15 and nine uh it, it's been uh you know we've had some a tough stretch we've had an easy stretch uh, this team is what it is you know we're going to win some surprise games we're going to beat colorado we're going to beat the rangers we're going to beat you know uh you know we beat carolina right that's gonna happen yeah. but then we're going to lose that in their house right then we're going to lose to arizona and then we're going to lose to philly that and, is going yeah. to happen that is what this team is um, it is pulling. They could head win out. on any
1: night. They could lose on any night. hundred percent. And the main reason why they could win on any night is because they have the best goalie.
0: And that's part of it, by the way. I've heard a lot of people talking on Twitter, and you know, Andy has said, mentioned this, and other people have talked about this as like uh, a, well, watch out. They're just getting by by goaltending. That's not an accident. Nope. Lou Lamorello, nope. Lane Lambert knew, hey, we're going into the season with the absolute number one goalie tandem, bar none. It's not close. And that is our strength. Um, so they're going to continue winning with their goaltending. But to your point, I mean, they can win on any given night. They can lose on any given night. It is going to be maddingly frustrating on, on, on certain nights when we lose, do lose to a, a bad team. Uh, the real question I have for you is, you know, over the next month, let's say, it is uh, December 2nd to, say, January 6th, which is the end of that West Coast string, Can we survive long enough? Because we know the team right now is not built to contend. But I don't think they're far off. And we've covered this. Do they survive over the next four and a half weeks, five weeks, long enough for Lou to go get somebody? Because these little paper transactions, and we talked about this on Twitter for a moment, Phil, these little paper transactions to save $4,100 there, $12,000 there, that's not very – Lou doesn't normally do this stuff. Got to imagine that he's saving the money for a reason.
1: I would think so, right? I mean, a guy like Holmstrom, this is the first time he's getting his one-way check, right? You look at your paycheck and all of a sudden, well, for Wednesday, you get $4,300 slashed out of it because you got paper transaction down to Bridgeport, even though you didn't actually go anywhere. It's just, you know...
0: That's not normal. I mean, I, maybe the, I'm the wrong, but I don't think that's normally Lou, right? That's not a Lou thing.
1: I, you know, I can't remember him doing it with the intention of saving cap dollars, which this is very intentional. They had the taxi squad where they were moving people back and forth. I remember there was even a time where in order to, I can't remember what it was, but the idea was Sorokin was on on a one-way deal and someone else wasn't on a one-way deal. So what they did was they put Sorokin on the taxi squad for a game that Varlamov started and they used Corey Schneider as the backup for that game. Right. And, um, Verlamov ended up getting blown up, and they had no choice but to, to ride him because they had no one else to put in because they weren't going to put in Corey Schneider, fresh off of hip surgery. Um, so I, I, I really can't think in his five years of being with the Islanders where he um, he just doesn't seem a like a player on a two way deal. He's such, player, yeah, he's such a
0: player, yeah. Such a player friendly GM just doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who would do this. And yet, I mean
1: Salo, they've been shuttling him down to get game action, which I think is smart. Yes, but Salo's on a one way deal, anyways. So he'll make his eight hundred thousand, you know, prorated up here, down there. Doesn't really matter. Solo's he's a, he's he's fat and rich. The weird thing, as a matter of fact, the weir- when Islanders he goes down to cap. the AHL, it's better for him because he doesn't. I, I don't think escrow gets deducted off those checks.
0: Oh, there you go. Um, the weird thing is when he, the Islanders actually should have a ton of cap space come to, come deadline. So. This is what's wondering. I'm just wondering. I'm like, wh- what is Lou looking at? And and then and then I'll, I'll go back to my other question, which is simple: Can the Islanders stay afloat for the next five weeks to to give and inspire Lou to make the deal that needs to make be made?
1: Yeah, I don't necessarily think they'll be in a playoff spot in five weeks from now, which might be disappointing to fans. I you know you look at it and it's it's pretty tight. I think they're ahead of the Rangers by four points right now for the. Um, maybe the Rangers know, the gap. suck. Yeah, I mean the Rangers have their own issues, which which we'll get into. I guess you know maybe next time. Um, hopefully they'll still be sucking by then. But it's it's entirely possible that they, for a while, fall out of a playoff spot. But again, the the thing is, it's a math formula, right? At any given time, you can you can hit a soft. spot a softer patch of the schedule and and rip off eight out of 10, like they've done already. I um, mean, that gets you right back into it. Right. Ultimately, you know, the target is get 98 to a hundred points and and you'll get into the playoffs. So I'd, I'd focus more on that as opposed to, you know, where you are in a given moment in time from a standing standpoint. Um, and that'll certainly help you keep your sanity, especially when the amount of games played are uneven, et cetera. But yeah, I do think they'll, they'll, they can remain competitive enough where Lou will uh, go out and go shopping for them at a certain point.
0: Do you have a Do you have a first choice? I'll just and, and I'll just leave it at <laughs> it's that. It's got you know, to be Timo
1: I'll, Meyer, right? Timo. Yeah, I mean, it has to be, right?
0: I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I, I got into an argument with uh, with somebody on Twitter today. Not an argument, but they thought Patrick Kane was the number one target. I've heard people say Bo. Hor- I, I've heard people say Bo 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 Horvath, Obviously, uh, uh, you know, which would which would enable you to put Nelson with Barzal.
1: I mean, I Meyer's mean, on pace to have 500 shots this year. He's a shooter. He's a shooter. I mean, he's leading the league. Can you imagine Barzal with a guy who shoots five times a game? Big physical winger, too. I mean, he could skate. He's he's the complete... And he's the same draft year, right? You're, you're talking about a guy the same age group as Barzal. Fits, you know, their prime years overlap. I think there's just a lot about it that makes sense. I mean, people are saying he's going to go to the Devils because... He's got a Niko Hishir connection there, um, fellow countryman or something like that. I mean, that would make the a, a, a terrifying team, an absolute nightmare.
0: The, devil, the, the Devils, the Devils are going to have their own cap issues if they don't watch out, though. I mean, they just promised Pilat six million over six years. They've got Dougie. Yeah, Hamilton that might signs. hurt them at some point. They've got Jack. That... I mean, thanks. And Jack's making eight million a year. Brat's going to get eight nine million a year minimum. Brat's going to get
1: more than that. I mean, well, I'm at saying this minimum
0: point. minimum. So I mean, you start you start adding it up and go Dougie Hamilton, Pelot. Jackie, I mean, you start looking at all these players. I mean, Nico's getting paid.
1: Sharon um, Govich is going to get paid, right? I mean, Nico's Nico's already on a long term deal, though. I think. He is. I he think, is,
0: and it's it's a it's a good deal for what it is, but it's still over seven million.
1: Right, I think. But uh, yeah, if if you look at, yeah, I'm just going to see. You know, I'm just who, not who sure if they to want
0: to add another. Do they really want to put another eight year, um, eight and a half eight,
1: million dollar player? Then, yeah, Nico's Nico's under control for another four years after this. We know the Jack contracts me long term. Um, Dawson Mercer in two years from now, Sharon Govich next year. So, so Sharon Govich is expiring. He's going to get a pretty big raise. Miles Wood, if you know, if you want to keep him, he might even get a raise on top of what he has right now. So, yeah, they, no, they're they're yeah. going to have to... the
0: Devils have a lot of good players in that system, and we've talked about that. They're going to be a wagon. So, uh, we'll yeah. see how it plays out. Obviously, uh, we'll talk about that going forward. Anyway, I think that's going to do it for us. We, we covered Ross. We covered Simon. Um, we covered uh, Mister Fascist. Uh, I'm looking forward to see him play. Uh, listen, I listen. I have. I don't. I don't know a thing about the guy. I have not. I have never seen him play. I don't know anything about him. Uh, I am intrigued. Uh, I'll say one thing, and you talked about this when we covered when we played Columbus. One thing about an AHL guy: if these AHL call ups are only up for like say two games, you get there. You get 180 from them. I mean, they go balls to the wall. They give you everything they have because this is their shot. And yeah, I'm pretty
1: sure. Down. Like for example, I think I think Foshing's only career goal is in his first career game.
0: Well, there you go. Just playing one game for and example. then put him back down.
1: Yeah, I mean, they listen. If if you got a guy who, who it's the difference of of ten times their salary for every single day they stay up in the <laughs> NHL versus being the NHL. I mean, that's 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 real money right there. And these guys are on two way deals.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, and if you're I mean, listen, if you're a Bargerow, if you're fashing, you know you know this isn't really your chance. But you're thinking, okay, hey. Uh, maybe uh, maybe if I play well for six, seven games, I can carve out and I, I can be a, a part-time fourth liner sometime.
1: Yeah, I mean, or depending on the length of these injuries, right? Once once you get to the point where you hit 10 games, if that's relevant for any of these players, you need to get sent back on waivers, right? And and last year, Austin Zarnick played well enough in the 10-11 the games he was given to be claimed on waivers by another team. By the right? way, I mean, they, wouldn't
0: wouldn't you love wouldn't you love Zarnick right now?
1: I'd love to have Zarnick. I mean, right
0: wouldn't Zarnick tell me Zarnick wouldn't be a great third line fill in right now?
1: He would. I mean he he knows this. He knows the team. He knows the players. He was you know fairly productive when they put him in these types of situations last he, year. I, yeah, listen again. Home against Nashville, he scored the opening goal in that game, right? No, how, he, how and he's just
0: he? he's a pest out there.
1: Yeah, I, I would love I would love him right now. Absolutely.
0: Anyway, that is going to do it for us. Uh, You can follow Phil Farber if somehow you do not on Twitter at Phil's Facts. You can follow me. I'm at Tuck on Sports. Uh, This is the Top Shelf Hockey cast. We talk hockey, mostly Islanders hockey, or we just trash on the Rangers, which is always a good time as well. (laughs) Uh, Hopefully we get a couple of wins and a couple of Ranger losses over the next week, and uh, uh, we'll touch base with BD back. Uh, As always, uh, tell your friends about the show, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye.